0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. Today is Monday, February 17th. It's President's Day here in the U.S. Kind of a a nothing holiday. If any of you want to uh, enthusiastically defend President's Day as a holiday, you are feeling free to make your case in the comments Um, however (laughs) I don't think that it is I was explaining to Karin my Dutch assistant that at one point it was Washington's birthday and then I think it was Lincoln's birthday and there were two separate holidays and then they added Martin Luther King Day so they combined Washington and Lincoln into one president's day and really, it's just a reason to have a day off in the long drought between Christmas and Memorial Day. There's a couple, you know, There's in the U.S. we have New Year's Day that people get off. And a lot of people are sort of off all the way between Christmas and New Year. Uh, and then there's Martin Luther King Day in January. And But then after President's Day in February, there's nothing until uh, the end of May, Memorial Day. And I remember that quite clearly as uh, when I did have the day job, that, you know, those federal holidays where, you know, you'd hoard your sick leave and your vacation leave. But uh, those federal holidays were such a gift, especially the ones that had like nothing associated with them. So President's Day was always just kind of like just a long weekend for no reason. Amusingly enough, uh, Kelly Robson said that it is a federal holiday, a provincial holiday, <laughs> in Canada too. And I said, well, I know it's not President's Day there. And she said, no, it's just one of those empty holidays to break up the long drought between Christmas and Easter. And Karine mentioned Easter as well, like Good Friday and stuff, which uh, we no longer have federal holidays around Easter here. The only um, Christian holiday that is federally established, mandated, <coughs> allowed, it depends on your perspective, I suppose, uh, would be Christmas. And that is, um, I don't know, Christmas I think is has become pretty much ecumenical i know that the christians don't like hearing that but uh, i think a whole lot of people celebrate christmas without it having any kind of um, christian context anyway a side note on a little bit of musing on holidays and their meaning for me it's a regular work day uh, i did have a, I had a good weekend um I don't know why I have a little cough right now. I have some water here along with my latte. There we go. Uh, I did go to the Vinyasa Yoga on Saturday morning, which was uh, not easy. (laughs) um, Yeah, definitely kicking the stagnation out of my body from being laid up for so long. Nothing like being laid up over the sugar-laden holiday, too. And I thought I was being really circumspect and good and not overdoing. But, uh, boy, I was really leaning into the vinyasa class. And I was uh, feeling it. Got dizzy. You know how, like, when you're still working all that sluggishness and stagnation and toxicity out of your body. And you get all dizzy with it. I was like, ugh. But I felt better after my body was sore, but came home, talked to my mom on the phone. That was nice. And got the laundry done, got the house clean, got a bunch of stuff taken care of. Yesterday morning, Sunday, I did that, um, Taoism workshop. I felt like I wasn't as coherent as I wanted to be. I need to, um rework that presentation, it's still not flowing the way that I want it to flow, which is ironic since it's on Taoism, which is all about flow. But people have said very nice things to me about it. So that's good. They said it was very inspiring and uh, gave them a lot and motivating and gave them a lot to think about. So that's awesome. That's exactly what, what I wanted and had a good call in the afternoon on some CEPHWA stuff, on the Nebula Showcase anthologies, getting those up and running, and a few other exciting projects that CEPHWA is going to be taking on. And I did not get the taxes pulled together. That felt like kind of a full weekend as it was, and I am trying to, uh, even though I didn't get a whole day off, I did want to take some time off just to play, to read and putter with things. So I did that. Oh, and Saturday morning I got uh, the copies of The Fate of the Tawa mailed out to those of you who wanted signed copies. They are winging their way or trudging their way to you, I suppose, depending upon the mail service. On Friday I also got my box of, you may have seen the photo, my Arcs of the Fiery Crown. So I had two boxes of books. And there are a few Arcs up on the website store that you can have for the price of shipping, approximately $3, or you pay me $3 and that's approximately what I have to pay. Um, And to review, please. Uh, that's the thing about the Arcs is... St. Martin's really would like it if you left a review. And, of course, I appreciate it, too. Uh, Maria Vale sent me the nicest email over the weekend because she finished reading 8 Crown. I had sent her up, actually, my cleaned-up Word version of it. Let's see if I can. I might not be able to find what she says. Um, I I took it uh, out of my main email so we'll see if we can find it but you know when, when another writer and I really do love Maria Vale's books says nice things to you it's um oh I'm not gonna be able to find it am I anyway she said gushy things about fiery crown and oh wait here it is here it is you guys and so she put the subject line is I can't begin to tell you um, and then she says I loved it I'll be writing a review but I'm on vacation now and writing this on my phone such perfect pacing the world the dialogue between two grown-up people the subtle world building the connection between land and rulers the metaphors for magic and through it out at all this promise of adventure and prediction of tragedy I'm babbling and will make my words more coherent, but I'm so grateful to have had a chance to read. I can't wait for volume three. This is a master class and a beautiful book. Isn't that awesome, you guys? Made me so happy. So, soon there will be more feedback on Fiery Crown, bringing nice feedback on Fate of the Tala. So, so it's good. It's all good. And I made more progress on Promised Queen last week. Didn't quite hit 15,000 words on the week, but I did get something like 11,000 for the week, and that was um, the highest I've gotten in several weeks. And so I'm feeling good about that ramp up. One thing I talked to my mom on the phone about, we had a nice long conversation on You know, I feel like I don't always get to talk to her that much, especially this is her busy time of year in Tucson. All the snowbird friends are there. And so there she has a very busy social calendar. But one of the things she was complaining about, well, not complaining, but she was saying, well, you know, I always listen to your podcast. And she said, and now I know if I can't find it on Facebook, I'll go to your website. I so said, that's good. That's exactly what you should do. We've talked about like having her subscribe to the podcast, but this is easier for her listen to the website or Facebook. Uh, and she said, but I don't understand why it's not on Facebook sometimes. And I said, well, I always put it on Facebook. And she said, yes. And I go, and I said, you might have to go to my page. And she said, yes, and I'll go to your page. And then I still don't see it sometimes. And I realized, I said, oh, it's the algorithm. And she said, well, what do you mean? And, and I explained, and she said, well, you know, you should talk about this because we don't all understand how this works. Um, you know, because the thing is, is that Facebook decides, Facebook wants to control what you see. So Facebook will, will, what, curate your feed. And they say that they're curating it based on what, on your activity, on what, that this is their their line, as they say, oh, we're basing it on your activity and elevating the posts that you most want to see. And this is patently not true. We, we've all experienced this, that, you know, the posts from the people that we do want to see uh, do not always show up. For instance, I have um, David, my husband, I have get notifications anytime he posts something and I don't always get those notifications. Facebook doesn't care that my mother wants to see my posts and doesn't care that I want to see my husband's posts. What Facebook cares about is making money and it cares about serving those advertisers that are paying and what their algorithm and by algorithm, you know, we really do mean artificial intelligence at this point. They, they act like they believe that the algorithm is correct. And, and there's a lot of examples of this out there now of um, various companies relying on algorithms and artificial intelligence to make choices. And they really want this to work because obviously you don't have to pay an algorithm. So, um, a couple of brilliant examples of this are, uh, the recent penguin effort <laughs> was really just uh, cringe inducing where they took some old classics and put diverse covers on them. And one of them was, for example, was a secret garden. And they had an AI choose the books, scan the text for any references that deliberately pointed out skin color. And if the AI did not find um, any kind of ethnic or racial or skin color references to the book, they decided that, oh, well, this could be any <laughs> could be any person. and so let's put uh, a black girl on the cover of a secret garden because they they can easily identify with these characters because it never says that they're white. One of the huge problems with this is that um, you know their faith in the AI is hugely misplaced because the secret a secret garden or the secret garden I forget which um, has. Terrible imperialist references to the British in India and references to, um, to Indian people. It's, uh, <laughs> it was just such an enormous miss. It was so ridiculous and, and it's kind of mind boggling because theoretically a publishing house could access any number of people who had actually read A Secret Garden or could have picked out classics. You know, people with human intelligence who could have read and said, well, you know, here, this is, <laughs> you know, don't don't pick A Secret Garden. <laughs> um, it, it was, but they believe in the AI. They believe that the AI is going to work and it doesn't because and this is something that I learned from many, many years of being a data auditor. Is we I would look at at how drinking water programs manage their data was one of the things we did because they had to report data up to the federal government then on all of their metrics that the states and territories and tribes were monitoring on their drinking water systems. And one of our favorite phrases was "garbage in, garbage out," because It didn't matter how good their data management was and their reporting and their decisions on the data. If that first step, if the data going into the database wasn't good data, then the rest of it was crap. It was irredeemable. And very often they had people, you know, like entering data who didn't understand what it meant. So that's what happens with these Algorithms. I'm just going to call them an algorithm. AI and algorithm are pretty much the same thing. It's it's basically a computer program running a formula, and it's it has adaptive learning. It's supposed to be learning from what it's doing, but if it doesn't have the right information going in, you know who knows what the search parameters, for instance, penguins um, AI was given. You know, it's like was it only looking for Uh, words like white or black or, you know, who knows, who who knows what they plugged in there. Clearly they didn't, um, it wasn't enough. And, and it's difficult for a computer program to, (laughs) to understand nuance. Right. And so much about diversity is based on nuance. Another example of this is, um, I saw a Twitter thread about, and I can't remember what it was, the Apple credit card, something like that, where uh, this couple shared it. And he is like a big tech writer of some sort. And they're uh, very, very well off. Both of them are. Um, she would started her own company. And right now, she is not working because they have two young children. But she's also worth like a million dollars just on her own. And so is he. And they both applied for this credit card. Apple, I think it was Apple, Apple Pay or something like that. And he received one with like a hundred thousand dollar credit limit, and she was denied. And they were like, "Well, why is it? Because she's, a, you know, basically a homemaker, a stay-at-home mom, you know? But here, look, she's worth all this money." And what was interesting was is when they went work their way through customer service, the customer service people kept saying to them, uh, well, you know, it, it wasn't us. It was the algorithm and the algorithm is never wrong. And it's just amazing that there's this huge faith and it's like, well, no, there is something in your algorithm that screwed up. And, and they didn't care so much, except that they felt like they were in a position to be a champion for people who might really need this credit card and, would and would be denied for some stupid reason, like because you're female. Um, so anyway, those are a couple of good examples. Algorithms are running all kinds of things now. Uh, you know, like Uber, that's it's an algorithm who decides which car goes and when. And these companies, partly have faith in the algorithm because they have invested huge amounts of money in it. They also want it to work because it's an employee. They don't have to pay. They don't have to pay benefits. So it's like, yes, the algorithm works. Facebook, <clears throat> the algorithm is set up to cater to the people who are paying money into Facebook. So for instance, I will not give Facebook any money. And so, they will not always show my posts to people because they do not want to reward me for not paying them. So even though my mom can go to my Facebook page and look for my posts, Facebook won't necessarily show them to her. It's not a bulletin board, right? It's a, it's a constantly moving, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, it's almost like if you imagine a a lake, It's this huge lake of things that surfaces images for you in a constantly moving pattern. Uh, She commented that it's frustrating to her because she'll see something on Facebook and scroll away and go back and look for it and it's gone and she can't find it again. And I think we've all had that experience because it it isn't a fixed feed. and Instagram, which is now owned by Facebook, is doing the same thing where they're surfacing certain kinds of posts. And they, they write up these cheerful articles saying, Oh, well, you know, we're curating the feed to, you know, show you what you want to see. And it's like, oh no, you guys don't care about what I want to see. You care about what you you want me to see, what your advertisers want me to see, what the people funding this um are what agenda they are trying to push. And I had made a a, a post on um, social media a couple weeks back, I think where Instagram had put out an article on, you know, like how to uh, maximize your posts and, you know, how to get people, how to be seen. And one of the things they said was um, that you should choose it. Approc- if you post it approximately the same time of day, every day, then that will uh, that'll f- feed into the algorithm and show your post to people, whether that's true. I'm not sure. I believe, but it's, if you're not paying for it, but the other piece of that was, as they said, so you should choose a time that you can comfortably post at for the rest of your natural life. You know, and I read it a couple of times and that, the article was written in kind of a jaunty tone and there were a couple other jokes. And I'm like, if that was meant to be a joke, that's really not funny because who wants to be thinking about posting a fucking Instagram for the rest of your natural life? <laughs> it's like, Oh my God, that's gotta be one of the circles of hell, right? <laughs> you no, know, just one of the more you know shallow circles of hell. It's not like demons would be flaying your skin, but yeah, posting to Instagram, For eternity at the same time, you know, it's like, oh, no, no. So, so that's my um, explanation of how those things work. It's, uh, you know, (laughs) I think you just have to be very jaundiced about it and take it with a grain of salt. So um, I am going to go on with my day. Uh, a week from today, I believe it is, I'm going to have a special celebrity guest, Tana Finsky, an old friend of mine who writes romantic comedy, is going to be on the show. We're going to do a, probably a live interview if I can make it work. I've got to still work out the tech on this. So, But that will be something through the Frolic Media Podcast Network, of which First Cup of Coffee is a part. And you can find other podcasts you will love there at folic.media slash podcasts. And I hope you all have a wonderful week, a great day off if you have it off today. I hope it's everything you want it to be. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.